We're not finished at the conclusion of the service. We have something else that we want to show you. But I want to begin a new series, and I wanted to start it on Memorial Day weekend. I do realize that uh, today and tomorrow, many of us will be barbecuing baby back ribs and all kinds of things, and that's wonderful. But tomorrow, please, just take a moment and respond to what this means, Memorial Day means. If you get up early, maybe turn the TV on and look at a, at a service or something that will show you the reality of what this country is all about. This country is full of amazing, godly people who are doing godly things and are accomplishing much. And by the way, uh, Pastor Dan was talking about, uh, you know, we can rise up above all these things. Let me tell you how powerful God's love is for you and me. We can rise up above prosperity. We can rise up above success. It's not just the negative. It's the part of God has greater things for all of us. We know what Pastor Dan was saying to us. And thank God for Pastor Dan and the things that he, he teaches us. But the reality is, is we have to begin to see something that's even greater and what God has planned for every one of us. Every one of you in this house, everyone in the second service also, every one of us have this anointing and this power at our hands to use in our life. And so I, what we want to begin is a series called Let's Be Real. And my goal of this series is what really does it mean to be a believer? When, when people say things like, well, I used to go to church, and there are a lot of people that say that, because when they were children, they were brought to church. A lot of people would say, well, you know, I used to believe in that, you know, that old used to doctrine. And, and I understand that, that what happens is hurt and and things that they believed in and things that happened as we are challenged today to pray for Ray Coleman. We are challenged today to pray for our brothers and sisters that came up front. And, and at times in our life, what we pray, what we see, in essence, it does not manifest. And we have questions why. And many of us will say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, why this, why that? Well, what I'm wanting to teach you in this series is you can ask him now, and he's given us answers. And so we're going to get real. We're going to understand what it means to be real as a believer, as a Christian. It's more than going to church. Church is so vital. Matter of fact, going to church is one of the most vital things that a person can create as a habit because it is the place that God has set apart to equip us to, for the work of our ministry so that we can accomplish things. But a lot of times, uh, people will look on even church as something that really doesn't matter. And I want to tell you, church matters. So let's be real. And today we want to begin, uh, this week and next week, as we're going to talk about living a double portion life. Not living a double life, but living a double portion life. 
And uh, I know you know some people that do live double lives, but we're going to understand that God has set something apart for the church, and it is for everybody, no matter where you come from, no matter what's going on, no matter what you've done or not done, if you will understand this and begin to walk in his ways, this will become a reality to you. It will be real to you. And what I'm saying to all of us is the things that we're learning in church, the things that we're learning when we're studying in the Bible, we need to understand it's real. It is a reality. God has already proclaimed these things over us in his word. He has already prophesied over us from his word. And in many instances, because either we don't understand it or, or in essence that we, we really don't know it, that we don't live it. So how many of you today would like to live in a double portion blessing? Amen. Some of you are crazy because you didn't raise your hands, but uh, I'll take your part if, if you don't want it. I mean, you know. So God has proclaimed to you and me a double portion life. I want to talk to you of your right. We hear about rights all the time today. I want to talk to you of your right as a believer to live this double portion life. We are defrauded of so much that Jesus did to give us simply because we don't know about it or we don't understand it. That's why church is so important. But let me say this to you, but once we understand it, once we know it, and it becomes real to us, of what Jesus did on the cross, we will become wealthy in every area of our life. When we talk about double portion, it does include finances. But I want to tell you, that's only a, a portion, uh, probably 10% of what God has given. I haven't studied that, but the Lord, Holy Spirit, as I was studying, really put in my heart that finances really is only about 10% of this double portion. What it is talking about is every aspect of your life that God has given you a double portion. Now, God the Father has given us so many blessings, and one of those is a double portion blessing. Turn to Deuteronomy or open up your iPad to Deuteronomy 21, verse 15 through 17 in the Old Testament, and this is where we see uh, God beginning to proclaim some things to us, and it is in uh, a covenant that is so real. It is a covenant of love made by grace. If a man has two wives, <laughs> one loved and the other unloved, and they have borne him children, both the loved and the unloved, and if the firstborn son is of her who is unloved, then it shall be on the day he bequeaths his possessions to his sons that he must not bestow firstborn status on the son of the loved wife in preference to the son of the unloved, the true firstborn. I'm going to stop there. Now, first of all, if you have two wives, it's a bad idea you will have drama. But what I'm trying to bring to you and what is being said here is that firstborn is very important to God. 
There's something that is vital we must understand about firstborn. And when we recognize this firstborn and understand what the process of this is and what God has proclaimed from the Old Testament through the New Testament, that we will begin to see the importance of what God has said and this will become real in our lives. Even if some of us in this house right now are poor, even if some of us feel like everything's falling apart in our life, I want you to understand that the promise of double portion is yours, and I just want to get real with you and say, maybe it's because you really didn't understand it, or you really didn't know it, but it's there for you today, and you can begin today to recognize it and begin to dive into a double portion blessing and see God raise you up out of the mire and out of the stuff that you're in. Let's look, verse 17. But he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has, for he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. So here's the principle. It's not polygamy. The principle is the firstborn son belonged to God. The firstborn son was given twice as much possessions of the father's possessions of any other child. What is the reason for that blessing? Because in today's society, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. Even if twins or triplets were born, it's the firstborn that received it. Now, watch this. The reason for the blessing is the firstborn was to take care of the family. Follow me now. The, the firstborn did not receive the double portion because he was more loved or preferred, as Scripture was saying, but it was the responsibility to be the father when the son's father passed away or became the replacement. The firstborn son knew when he received the double portion, I am the dad. And if someone needs something, he was to help meet the need because he had the double portion. Now what I want you to recognize is that in this double portion, it was a continuance when things happen in the family and more business and different things and more that the, when money was given out or things were given out, then the firstborn was to receive the double portion. It was a continuous thing until that firstborn passed away. Now here it is. Jesus, Scripture tells us, is the firstborn and the only begotten of the Father. Let me read you some scripture. This is just introduction. And by the time we get done with this series, church, I want you to understand, you are going to recognize it is your right, even though hell itself is coming against any area of your life, it is your right to receive double portion. And you can stop what the enemy is doing right there and demand the double portion blessing to manifest in your life. 
Amen. You can do that. You can live that out. It's real. But what we have done in life is, is we are not dependent upon Scripture. We're not dependent upon what God's promises are. We are dependent upon what we see. Last series, we talked about an undivided heart or having a divided heart. In Romans 8, 29, watch this. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus. Colossians 1, verse 15 through 18. He is the image of the in, invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Notice it's now expressing every aspect of life and spiritual and physical. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Now what the scripture is telling us is this. Jesus came as the Father's representative with a double portion blessing of the firstborn to take care of God's family. Jesus is all you need. That old saying. That's what the double portion is for. So Jesus, watch this, is the perfect example of someone sacrificially coming to take care of God's family. That's why I wanted to teach this on Memorial Weekend. Here is the good news. In Jesus, what we just read, the body of Christ, the church, is the firstborn. Now, some of you are going, <laughs> what are you saying? In Jesus, the body of Christ, the church, is the force firstborn. This is men and women. Scripture says in Christ there is neither male nor female. So what this means, when you are talking about the kingdom, you must get past the gender you are. What do I mean by that? As men, we have to get over the fact we are called the body of Christ, or the bride of Christ. Amen? How many of you men read that and say, I'm no bride. I know who I am. I'm not a bride. All right? As women, you have to deal with the fact you're sons of God. What? Hebrews 12, verse 22 through 24 says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn 
who are registered in heaven. Now watch this. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. In this scripture, the firstborn refers to us, not Jesus. In Israel, watch this. In Israel, it is done today. When a firstborn male was born, it was written down and recorded or registered that he had the right of the firstborn. It is a legal paper that is written down on the firstborn because it is a covenant that was made by blood. It is a covenant that, that in this, the firstborn of Israel was to receive the double portion. And even today, they register the firstborn. So when things legally are taken to court, there's a registration, a certificate, a writing of a covenant that he is a firstborn and is to receive the double portion. So look to this closely. On the day you and I were born again, your name was registered in heaven as the firstborn son of God. Whew. Your name was written in that book. The Lamb's Book of Life. Not only that you will be in heaven. Oh, I'm going to heaven. I'm in the book. Your name is written down. And the proclamation is this. That your right is to receive, receive double portion in your life. It is your right to live in this type of life. So this means that you have a 100% of the blessing and have the right of the firstborn. You can walk in a greater blessing and anointing if you simply understand who you are in God, in Christ. And in the beginning of this series, I want you to recognize Memorial Weekend we acknowledge in memoriam those that died so that the covenant and the Constitution of the United States of America can continue. It is protected because those have died. Now, watch this. Jesus died, and when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we become firstborn. And the promise, our name is written, and the name is written and said, you are to have double portion. And in the spirit realm, we listen to all the junk of the enemy. We listen to all the junk about our families, about our kids, about our parents, about, you know, schools, about all the different things that are going on. And I want to tell you, double portion blessing is available to every born-again believer. Everyone. Not just the elder, not just the pastor. 
you. You can walk in a greater blessing and anointing if you simply understand who you are in God in Christ. We are the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, and our names have been registered in heaven as that. So here's a question. And in this question, we'll answer the next seven weeks. How to receive the double portion blessing of God? How do we walk in that? How do we receive that? How do we do that? So this is so exciting because once you see it, it'll become the thread of everything that you do in your life. It will be the thread of of when you are planning things, when you are going on vacation, when you, (laughs) you know, are getting a new job, when you do all that, it'll be the thread, double portion. But pastor, I work with Christians too, absolutely. Do you think God's not big enough to handle everybody? He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's he's the guy that can give you all things. He's the guy that can create it. Amen. If God ever ran out of money, he can create it. And and doesn't bring debt. Matthew 14, 14 says this. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed the sick. I said earlier This is exciting because because once you see it, once you understand the character of being the firstborn, once you understand the character of God, of giving the double portion, then you will begin to walk in that. And we just read here that Jesus went out and he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. Everything Jesus did, he did with compassion. He is a loving Savior. He is the one that looked out and saw a need. He was the firstborn of all. And he looked out and to take care of the family of God, he was looking at the multitude, he saw their needs, and he healed them, and he blessed them. And he took care of them. That's the character of the firstborn. That's what's real about a believer that really understands what it means to be a believer. The old joke I have with a bunch of buddies of mine is, is uh, you know, sometimes I'll just bless. I'll just buy something and bring it in and, you know, and then a couple of the guys will say, well, what do you want? I don't want anything. And I don't want to stand up and say, well, I'm the firstborn and I'm, you know, no. Just the reality is because the character of the firstborn, the character to really get real of who we are is we are givers, we have compassion, and when we go out, it's not about us, it's about others around us. Can you imagine if all the firstborns of the church understand that? Again, it's not just money. I was, I've been praying regarding a situation with a sister in our church and, uh, uh, of her son, and um, she's a prayer warrior in our church, and, 
And we text back and forth, back and forth, please pray, you know, okay. And then I'll text her periodically, say, how are things going? I'm praying for you, just finished praying for you. And, you know, all these kind words that we give. And then this week, I just got the answer that God had totally answered the prayer. And it was, she was just so excited about those things. But see, when the body of Christ gets real and the body of Christ really understands that and walks in that care and has compassion, then what you're going to find is that everybody will receive the answers of their prayers. Verse 15, look at that, Matthew 14. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. In other words, there's no McDonald's here. I'm tired. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, no, don't do that. I want to do a miracle so people later on can talk about me. That's not what it says, is it? But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. In other words, I'm not good enough. I'm not like so-and-so. I'm shy. I don't have, you know, how we talk. He said, bring them here to me the fish and loaves. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So in this, many writers will say that there was about thirty to 35,000 people there. And they were fed by fish and loaves. Five loaves, two fish. Can you imagine that? Some of us tomorrow are worried about not having enough food for your barbecue. Now watch this. After they ate, they had 12 large baskets of fragments that they picked up, that the disciples had. Think about it. Jesus blessed and broke five loaves and two fish and fed 35,000 people, and every disciple ended up with their own basket. Hmm. Given it shall be given back to you. You don't give because it's going to be given back. You give because you're real. Amen? You're real. So the disciples had said, Jesus, it's late. There's not enough. Let the people go to McDonald's down the street. Jesus said, no, you will give them something to eat. No, you will. You will do this. Until we take responsibility to take care of the ones God loves, we will not live a life of double portion. Until we grab a hold of what it means to be a firstborn. Until we grab a hold. Now, I'm the youngest of three. 
I'm not the firstborn in my family. But I'm firstborn in the family of God. Many of you are not the firstborn in your family, but you're the firstborn in the family of God. So the responsibility of every person in the church is to be someone who lives their life as a firstborn. Now watch this. Jesus said, bring the five loaves and fish to me. He broke it, prayed for it, blessed it, and all of a sudden he gave it to the disciples to give to the people. He said, you give to them, but bring it to me first. And what we're seeing here is the principle of that Jesus was the firstborn, and when he died and what's happened, we were seated, seated, with, seated with Jesus, and, and what we must recognize, Jesus died, and he gave us the responsibility of being the firstborn, of being the one that takes care of the family, of being the one that takes care of every aspect of what is going on in life today but you have givers and takers. You have people that, that are always looking to receive instead of give. And so what we're learning here is, again, before the double portion falls upon us, the spirit of the firstborn has to be in us. The spirit of the firstborn has to be in us where we're the ones that are moving into being the giver. And, and when we do that, we need to understand there are people that arrive here at 6.30 in the morning to prepare the coffee and things in the courtyard. And we, need, and, and we don't stand them up and pat them on the back. The bottom line is, is they know they're called to do this. We have people who come and practice and music and singing and lead us in worship. And they get here around 7 o'clock in the morning, 7.15 in the morning. And the reality, why is that? Why is that? Because they are living in the firstborn principle of giving. But I want to give every one of us, let's get to the understanding of it, that if you are living in the firstborn of giving, I want you to begin to understand that God says, I will make sure that the, the fish and the loaves will explode in your life and you will have double portion. You will be able to take care of everything I ask you to do. I remember in college, I was getting paid on a Friday, and it was Tuesday. And all we had was a few tortillas and cheese in the refrigerator. Amen. So my roommate and I created quesadillas. Just kidding. I'm from Michigan. I didn't know what a quesadilla was. Quesadilla, whatever. Isn't that a Katie did or an insect? Whatever. Anyway, so we literally had that conversation. This is great, man. We need to sell this stuff. <laughs> a couple months later, we're so stupid. Anyways, we have to get to a place of understanding. In those three days, had no money, had that. 
okay? Someone blessed us with a pack of hot dogs and popcorn. That's all we had. We have to recognize there are going to be times that it looks like this stuff's not working. But I want to tell you, you have every right to receive from God that he will bless your life because you become a giver. We did not even understanding this principle yet, but we're just, we're just the same, all right? And Bill and I decided, well, let's invite a couple guys over who can have hot dogs and popcorn. And we did. And God blessed. But let me tell you, my grandmother had sent some money for me, not knowingly, and it arrived on Friday, but it, it got stuck in the mail. I think the Lord is really trying to f- let me know in a small little way, will you trust me? Amen. Will you trust me? So when you are going out and woe is me is happening in your life and all this stuff's going on, I want you to begin to look, what can you do to take care of the family of God? What can you do to take care of those around you? What can you do to take care of someone at work who's fallen apart, that maybe you barely have enough money to handle groceries for the week, and they have nothing that you can maybe go ahead and cook a meal and bring it to them? Something small. In the middle of that time frame where I didn't have any money, there was no food. And I was young. I mean, I, I could eat 10 steaks in one sitting, you know. And, and the reality is I'm, I'm hungry, but we're, we're doing this and spreading it out. And in the middle of that, I was praying. I said, Lord, what do you want us to do? What do I, did I miss it? Did I, you know, what's going on here? And uh, you know what the Lord said to me? <laughs> now that I got your attention... You know that car you got? I want you to give that car to Stan. Give my car to Stan? Why, you give, why give the car to Stan? He says, because you're firstborn. Now, I didn't understand that. But let me tell you, I look back and I understand. God says, you're firstborn. You trust me and what you have. You begin to be that giver. You allow yourself, give love, give compassion, give forgiveness, whatever it is. I will bless you. I will bring you into that line, and you will receive always a double portion. Now, again, some people take that, and they live it for themselves. It's not for yourself. If you're a firstborn, which you are being born again, then it is your responsibility to take care of those around you. So, watch this. Right after this story, Jesus exposes the problem why people don't walk in the spirit of the firstborn. In Matthew 16, verse 5 through 12, right after this miracle, it says, Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason 
among yourselves because you have brought no bread. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? Remember there are two times this happened? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So wait, what was the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Matthew 23, look at that. Verse 13 and 14. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. The doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees was selfishness. Was selfishness. These were people who used their position to fleece the flock. Remember, Jesus looked upon the multitude and he was moved with compassion. They saw people could, could meet their need. In other words, let me say it this way. We have to understand there are people that are hurting in this world. But in many instances, they are hurting in this world is because they're not givers. Well, pastor, how do you give when you have nothing? That's the problem. They don't know who they are. Do you know how amazing you are? If you would really understand who you are and what God has done for you, even if you have nothing and you give it, out of that nothing, God will bless it. And that's what just drives me into prayers because I see so many people that are just griping and complaining and griping and complaining and griping and complaining. And the reality is, is give out of what you have. Remember the, the story of the, the widow woman? And, and she gave that little, and everybody was like looking down their nose, and Jesus said, she's given the biggest because she gave out of her heart. And that's what I love about Valley Community Church. See, Valley Community Church, we're about people. We have CARES Ministries, Freedom Ministries, More Than Conquerors, OSL, all of these helping people grow to receive their dreams. We're about lost people. We're about people who are hurting. We're about disadvantaged people. We're about missions. We're about healing. We're about people who are successful. We're about people who have a great business and are successful. To e equip and teach 
It's not just the poor, it's the rich. It's not just, it's the middle class, it's everybody. That's what Valley Community Church is about. That's what every program we have, everything that we do, is to equip the saints for the work of their ministry. And when we begin to move with compassion in the areas like Jesus does, and we understand who we are as the firstborn, our first priority is to make sure that others are okay. The problem is some people are always trying to make sure everybody else is okay, but they don't know they're the firstborn. And they're just doing it out of, out of hurt or need, or they're doing it because that's what they grew up in, and they're giving, giving, giving. But I want to tell you, God says, I am, Jesus says, I'm the firstborn, and I'm here to take care of you. And begin to receive from the Lord too. As you give, we should never get tired of giving because we always know that we have a double portion. When people are struggling and say, I'm just tired of doing that. I'm just, I need a break. No, you don't. You just need to know more of who you are. We need to get real with what God has called us to be. So let's continue to walk in the spirit of the firstborn. I am proud of every leader. I'm proud of the staff. I'm proud of every person I meet in this congregation because I see you as the firstborn. I see you as a blessing. I see you as someone that can do great things. See, the spirit of the firstborn is we will take care of our family, but we will also reach out. We talked about this year as the year of outreach, outreach to others outside our four, four walls. And we're just not talking about the four walls of the church, we're talking about the walls of our skin. Is that we begin to reach out, we begin to move into a realm of understanding what we do in giving to others is powerful, it opens the windows of heaven, it really opens up the spirit of, of double portion. It opens up the blessing of double portion. And we begin to walk in this and we will succeed. Our businesses will grow when we become givers. I'll tell you what, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people that are learning this principle. And they're giving and they're blessing. And thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are getting born again is because people are realizing everything we do is about the kingdom of God. Everything that we are is about outreach. It is about someone. It's multiplying what we're doing. It's doing the things that God has called us to do instead of being introverted spiritually. When we come in here, we have needs but we're all the firstborn. So we lay hands on the sick that they would recover. We pray for people. We release people into their leadership skill and they grow into their leadership skill. See, being a leader is not about self. Being a leader is about multiplying self into others. Being someone who's in charge is someone who, who recharges by getting other people to do the work of the ministry so that you work together and you bless them. And in, in a sense, you have the ability to replace yourself. You're never alone. 
But when it becomes introverted, when it becomes a person who doesn't understand that you are the firstborn, you have the spirit of the firstborn, then when you look out, when anything you do, it's about someone else. And you begin to love people and you begin to move in that area. Even though some people you just assume slapped in love. Amen. Don't look at me that way. Regarding America, with all of our issues, we are the greatest nation in the world. I want to say to the veterans here, thank you. Thank you. One of the main reasons we're the greatest is there is no other nation that gives as much as we do. If there's a problem in the world, we give. Also, we stand for Israel. If you make a mistake, firstborn, you make it on the side of generosity. <laughs> I have to protect my wife from being too generous. <laughs> That's our grocery money. <laughs> Someone takes an offering. Oh, so what is God saying to us about being real? We'll close with this. What God is saying to the church today is living for something other than self. That's being real. That's the spirit of the firstborn. If you build God's house, he will build your house. I'm going to say that again. If you build God's house, he will build your house. Oh, you mean we're going to have a building program, Pastor? Probably. But you know what the greatest building you can build? Is reach out to your neighbors and win them to Jesus and bring them to church. If we will build the house of God, he will build your house. And if you take responsibility for God's family, <laughs> He will take responsibility for your family. It's called the double portion blessing. Ryan, can you go ahead and...